When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. You're listening to another Headlines episode of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. And on these Headlines episodes, we discuss the need-to-know environmental news headlines. Let's start today with the big story. As of yesterday, COP28 began in Dubai. COP28 is a climate summit. It's the 28th climate summit, (laughs) to be exact. It's planned to last from yesterday, November 30th, to December 12th or longer, depending on if there are details that need to be ironed out. Now, COP, C-O-P, stands for Conference of the Parties. And yes, this is the 28th COP. There is a lot of skepticism and frustration surrounding COP28. And in my mind, I see this skepticism and frustration for five reasons. The first one being that the president of COP28 also happens to be the CEO of one of the largest and perhaps, by many measures, one of the dirtiest oil companies in the planet. Sounds like a conflict of interest to me. Reason number two, there's that leaked document. Behind the scenes, the United Arab Emirates has sought to use its position as host of COP28 to pursue a contradictory role, which, of course, is to lobby for oil and gas deals around the world. In just one example from this 50-page leaked document, which, by the way, was leaked by a whistleblower. This is just one example. There's guidance for the Emirati climate officials to use meetings with Brazil's environment minister to enlist her help with a local petrochemical deal by the Emirates' state-run oil and gas company. Interesting. So are we there to fix our climate woes, or are we there to make oil and gas deals? It seems to be unclear. Reason number three why there's frustration and skepticism ahead of COP28 is there's the reality that these summits, all 28 of them, there are a lot of talk with very little action. Countries, the leaders of countries, they get together and they talk about the need to cut pollution that's dangerously heating the planet. But even with all these talks, emissions are reaching record highs this year. Rich countries have pledged to help poor countries transition away from the dirty fossil fuels, but for the most part, they've failed to fulfill these promises for financial aid. After 27 years of meetings, countries still cannot agree to stop burning fossil fuels, which, by the way, climate scientists say time and time again are the main driver of climate change. It's a lot of talk, very little action. 
Reason number four, there's also a lot of grievances about the unmet promises that I just alluded to. Last year at COP27, which was held in Egypt, by the way, wealthy countries agreed to create a fund to compensate poor countries for destruction that happens when there's a climate disaster. But progress on the creation of this fund has been ridiculously slow. This leaves a lot of developing countries mistrustful of what's said at the COP talks. And then finally, the final reason, in my view, that there's a lot of frustration and skepticism, of course, is that the design of UN climate summits, they're designed so that every country must sign off on an agreement and just one nation can sink a deal. None of it is legally binding. And I should say here, too, I didn't add this in my top five list, but President Biden is not attending the summit. Vice President Kamala Harris is attending in his place. Chinese President Xi Jinping not attending. Vladimir Putin from Russia not attending. So where are these big leaders and why are they not attending this summit, which seeks to find solutions to the biggest, most pressing problem that is at our front door. Where are these leaders? And so in Dubai, the leaders that do show up, they're expected to discuss the progress, or I should say the lack of progress, in limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, aka 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit, over pre-industrial levels. That is the threshold that scientists say over which humans will have trouble adapting to intensifying wildfires and heat waves and droughts and storms. Now, in 2015, at the summit in Paris, the Paris Climate Summit, countries agreed to cut emissions from burning coal, oil and gas to keep global warming, quote, well below 2 degrees Celsius, and ideally no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius, end quote. As of this moment in time, as of December 1st, 2023, the planet has already warmed by 1.2 degrees Celsius. So I will leave that there and let's move on to our next big story. Maybe you heard for the first time ever, a commercial plane flew across the Atlantic Ocean without using fossil fuels. Now, if you've been listening to Headlines episodes for a while, you already know a couple months ago, we covered SAF, Sustainable Aviation Fuel. And yes, it went into use just this week. Virgin Atlantic sent a test flight on Tuesday from London to New York. It was powered only by SAF, again, Sustainable Aviation Fuel. SAF is a broad category of jet fuel that creates fewer carbon emissions than standard kerosene blends. The fuel on this particular flight was made from waste fats and plant sugars. It emitted 70% less carbon than the petroleum-based jet fuel, according to its press release. Now, SAFs, again, a broad category. It includes biofuels made from raw materials, like corn especially, but also animal fats and algaes, municipal trash and sewage. And by definition, for a fuel to be SAF, it must emit at least 50% less carbon than its petroleum-based counterparts, and that's according to federal guidelines. So let's talk about corn for a minute. Corn is grown to create ethanol. 
ethanol is a large component of SAF. Airlines seem to be putting a lot of eggs in the corn SAF basket. United Airlines this year signed a deal with a Nebraska ethanol company to buy enough SAF to power 50,000 flights a year. In August, Delta announced a plan to create a sustainable fuel hub in Minnesota. Minnesota, of course, is a big corn state. So is corn the future of the aviation industry? We can hop on a plane. We can fly to, I don't know, Brazil for a weekend to see the Taylor Swift Eras Tour and have zero eco guilt about doing that. Oh, my goodness. Sign me up. Well, hold on to your horses. Let's back up. Corn is an extremely water-intensive crop, and it can take hundreds of gallons to produce a single gallon of ethanol. And so as airlines embrace the idea of ethanol as a means to reduce the airline industry's carbon emissions, we need to keep in the discussion the looming threat to groundwater. Groundwater, remember, again, if you've been listening to Headlines for a while, you already know that groundwater is being dangerously depleted across the United States, largely by agricultural overuse. And so as climate change makes rainfall less reliable and intensifies droughts, the rising demand for ethanol could put even more pressure on our quite fragile aquifers, right? We're nothing without water. We do not exist without water. And so I wanted to mention this today because it's a real powerful example of the trade-offs that we need to make as we as a country, as a world, as a planet are trying to transition away from fossil fuels. Other energy sources can have their own environmental cost, and it's imperative that we keep those environmental costs in these conversations. There is no quick win. There is no single solution. It's time for an ad break. We're going to take our ad break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Wolverines. Yes, we are. I'll see you in a minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch 
They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Before the break, we discussed climate talks. They just started in Dubai. And we also discussed sustainable aviation fuel. Let's hold on to our horses. We need water. We need lots of water to grow corn to create ethanol. That's a problem. We're on to the second part of today's show where we're discussing two quick stories. The first one has to do with lead pipes, and the second one has to do with wolverines. And then we will say goodbye. Let's talk about lead pipes. First, the Biden administration proposed replacing lead pipes, all of them, within the United States within 10 years. If this proposal gets enacted, the United States will be ripping out 9 million pipes across the country and it will cost as much as $30 billion. But the upside, it would nearly eliminate lead, which, by the way, is a neurotoxin from our drinking water. Now, let's talk about lead for a minute. From the United States' earliest days, lead was used to make pipes to carry water to homes and businesses. But when these lead pipes corrode, lead leaches into drinking water. And if you were paying attention circa 2014, you know what happened. Big catastrophe in Flint, Michigan, when a change in the water source and at the same time, also inadequate treatment and testing caused significant lead contamination. Lead and a very specific bacteria leached into tap water of about 100,000 residents over the span of one year. On Thursday, the EPA proposed this ripping out of lead pipes. It would impose the strictest limits on lead in drinking water ever by again calling for the ripping out of 9 million pipes throughout the U.S. it is This would not be a small undertaking. The EPA estimates that the price of changing over these pipes would cost between $20 billion and $30 billion over the course of 10 years. The proposal also, it would not eliminate the amount of lead permitted in drinking water. The Biden, so as of right now, the allowable limit of lead in your drinking water is 15 parts per billion. This proposal would lower that number to 10 parts per billion. However, public health advocates say that the proposal of 10 parts per billion is still too high. The amount of lead in drinking water should be zero or at most just five parts per billion. Scientists agree there is no safe level of lead in drinking water. Now, quick story. Headlines are not for Stephanie's stories, but quick one. My husband and I, we have a a well. And so we decided we were going to have the well water tested. We bought the kit. We filled up the vials. We sent it to, I believe it was Simple Lab, and the results came back. Our well water has lead in it, five parts per billion. That is concerning to me. It also has nickel. (laughs) by the way, which is another concerning heavy metal. But lead is a neurotoxin and no amount is safe, especially for children as their brains are developing. As for next steps, the EPA will accept 
public comments on the proposal for the next 60 days. They may still make changes to this proposal, and then the final version will come out sometime next year. Really quick before we say goodbye, I just want to mention the wolverine. The U.S. endangered species list just got a little bit longer with the addition of the wolverine. Wolverines, by the way, have you ever seen a picture of one? If you've never seen a picture of a wolverine, you got to Google that (laughs) first. But wolverines were all but eliminated in the West by 1920 because of poisoning and trapping and starvation. But since the numbers have increased, they're back down again. It's estimated that only 300 wolverines remain in the contiguous 48 lower United States. It is a terrestrial member of the weasel family. Wolverines, they are famously fierce for their somewhat little size. And the 300 that remain, they inhabit areas of the northern Rocky Mountains and northern Cascades of Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Washington, and Oregon. Their numbers, the numbers of wolverines, of course, they're dropping due to a few factors happening all at once, the big one being climate change, but also the impacts of human recreation in the backcountry, winter recreation in the backcountry, as well as low genetic diversity. The wolverines in the United States, they need to somehow meet up with the wolverines in Canada and Alaska to improve their genetic diversity and once again thrive. That's our show today. We'll be back on Tuesday with your regularly scheduled interview. We're discussing how eco-conscious families budget their money. (laughs) Eco-consciousness is not necessarily cheap, so how do we budget Money is not falling from trees, so how do we budget? That's Tuesday. I will see you then. If you need me, reach out. If you love the show, please leave it a review. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend and take care. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.